Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Welcome to anybody who's new. Thank you, Graham, for leading the service this morning and, and to the worship team who've done a great job today. Uh, church is fun, isn't it? Don't you just love church? You, you know, it's a great place to be. But uh, I just want to say we are, actually, we're finishing today the short series on movement and multiplication. It's number three. Uh, just for those who are new today, uh, we've been running movement and multiplication as a series for three years now. This is our third year, and this is our ninth week in the third year. And I've been really inspired by the speakers uh, within our team here and those who've come in from outside, but mostly our team who've been uh, presenting. And I'm really impressed. Adam, could you just pass me the little clicker thing? Thank you. Uh, I've been really, I've taken stuff away from this series and I've personally grown because of this series. Uh, if you've not heard some of the messages, I suggest you or recommend that you go back and listen to a few. Um, today, our, our title is Movement is Personal. Movement is Personal. And um, as we wrap up, as I say, this current series on movement and multiplication, as you know, we've been looking at the book of Acts. In fact, we've only looked at, at really a couple of chapters in Acts, well, 13, 14, and 15. And it's been amazing that, uh, that we've been able to really spend time in the Word of God, drilling into it, drawing out what this means. And we've looked at different aspects. But I, because I've got this title, Movement is Personal, uh, it's because of what we're going to look at. It, um, it isn't a funny piece of text. It's quite a challenging piece of text. But before I get there, I'm just going to remind ourselves a little bit about what friendship is. It says, um, I've read somewhere, it says, friends save the last pizza slice for you, but best friends eat the last slice in front of you and then laugh at you. <laughs> uh, best friends, uh, sorry, friends ring the bell before entering your home, but best friends enter your home uninvited. <laughs> Uh, a friend knows all your best stories, but your best friends have lived with them and with you through those stories. And then finally, best friends are people who know you really well and like you anyway, which I, th I think is quite a quite interesting thing. Uh, some of you know all about that. Anyway, uh, interesting. Movement and multiplication. Why movement? Why multiplication? Movement is um, a kingdom principle around God's church, the church, the kingdom of God. The church of God is a moving entity, or it should be, and it should be multiplying. And so as a church, we've been disciplining ourselves to go through the principles of movement and multiplication, to learn from the New Testament uh, book of Acts, which is a, really a narrative on the account written by a doctor. So it's reliable, written by a doctor, uh, and his observations of what was happening in the early formed church as it went through a process of moving and multiplying. And we as a church are moving and multiplying. We are a real life living New Testament church. This is what we are. This is what you guys are. That's what we are together. We represent that. We are a group of people who are called by God's name, who have our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And as we do that, and as we live that, we move and we multiply. And sometimes God makes us move whether we want to or we don't. And sometimes we take the initiative and we move. And we've seen both aspects of this during this reading of the book of Acts. 
um, a, a scripture, well, not a scripture, this isn't a scripture, this is written uh, uh, by a, someone, an author, Maria Robinson. This, this, I really like this. I, I just can't explain it. It says, nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anyone can start today to make a new ending. Uh, and that's not come out of the Bible before you go looking that up and doing a search on the internet. But nobody can go back and start a new beginning, but anybody can start today and make a new ending. Now, that's a really empowering kind of statement because... It's true. You can change today everything about your life, whether you've been walking closely with God or whether you've been miles away from him, whether you've sensed his presence, whether you've really known what it is to see, uh, pray and see answers to prayer, or whether you haven't. You can choose today. You are fully empowered today to make that choice. There's nothing stopping you. Everything is in your hands. The power, as they say, is in your hands today. And I think that's true. And that's what God does. He empowers us. He gives us that opportunity. He gives us the ability. As we've looked at this series, I remember Deborah started this week one of uh, Movement Multiplication 3, and she brought out this whole thing of creating an atmosphere uh, where you can get close to God. Now, you do that, and I do that, deliberately. We don't do it accidentally. You don't create an atmosphere. What's an atmosphere where God can speak? It's somewhere where the other noises are pushed out and the noise that comes from God, the the sense of hearing his spirit, you create that space. And if you don't create that space in your life, if you haven't got somewhere in your life that God can speak to you without all the noise and distractions, then you'll be at a disadvantage because God is wanting to speak and wanting to be understood. That's his goal. That's his purpose. And that's why he talks about it being prayer. That's why we have a prayer meeting every week here on a Wednesday night, so that you can come down and either you can pray with others or you can pray on your own. You could, someone asked me last weekend in the second service, do we have anywhere where we can go and just lie down and just be quiet in the presence of God? I say, we do it every week. You can come to the prayer meeting every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we've got a place. Now, you could, if it's Prince and myself, we might make a bit more noise. Isn't that right, Prince? You know, there's a bit of action going on when we start praying. And one or two others, but some of us just love, some just love to be quiet. Listen to the worship team as they gently play music behind the time of prayer. But God answers our prayers in those places. And that's why we've seen people come to faith every week for the last four weeks. Do you realise that in this church? Every single week for the last four weeks, new people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. Last Sunday in the second service, there were five responses to the gospel. Five. The week before there was four. The week before that was three. In between, actually there was a baptism somewhere in there. And there were eight young people and a new youth or a youth person gave their lives to Christ, responded to a decision in their heart to surrender their will to Jesus Christ. You can't put a price on that. That is why we exist, I'm telling you. Now, I know it's more than that, but we exist to see that response. We exist to... to We exist for this. We are called by his name. We are identified in Jesus Christ. We are not identified as BCC. BCC is a working title for God's perfecting of you and me. It is not the end point. If you think coming to church is, this is the end point, you've got this completely wrong. Church is just a vehicle to celebrate the presence of God in his kingdom. That's why we exist. And this building, it doesn't really matter if it exists or it doesn't exist. It's just useful for us because it keeps the rain out and keeps the warmth in. <laughs> That's all it is. This building is not a sacred cow. This building is, is a vehicle for us to be carrying God's presence. And that's what this series is all about. It's about us drawing close to him. Um, Adam talked about mission starts where you are. Vlad talked about leadership and change. And, and the guys have talked about various aspects throughout this series. 
And, um, and one thing that struck me strongly was God gives us partnerships. Do you remember that? Paul and Barnabas were partnered together for a purpose. And also God really challenged me uh, in the second one of the series, on number six actually, uh, when I felt that God is challenging us to create a place for others to encounter him. Do you remember that conversation? And it was excellent to hear that there was over 20 on the evangelism train. You know, I don't ever remember, I can't remember, not ever, but I can't remember the last time this church did evangelism training. And I was speaking to uh, the National Leader of Assemblies of God on Friday afternoon. I told him that that's what we were doing on Saturday and, and Vlad led that discussion. I said, it really amazes me that when I look back over my own Christian journey, that for many years we didn't do evangelism. We haven't really been a church that does evangelism. We haven't really called it that. We've just lived it. We've just been fruitful in our lives. We've just shared our faith. We've allowed people to see Jesus. We've, we've talked about what he does. We've talked about the answers of prayer. We've talked about the miracles. We've talked about the changes that we see. And we've done events and we've invited people to come along. And by God's grace, the Holy Spirit's brought people in. But there is a change happening in this country right now. This country is unsettled, let me tell you. The whole Brexit thing has deeply unsettled our nation. The, the whole ISIS thing has deeply unsettled the Middle East and, in fact, the whole world. There's a great deal of uncertain people out there. And this Christmas, those uncertain people are looking for stability and answers. There is uncertainty about finances. There's uncertainty about jobs. There's uncertainty all over the place. But God is certain. He's our solid rock. And when we talk about movement and, and multiplication, and particularly movement being personal, we have to look at what happens in interpersonal things. So my first point this morning, as we look at Acts 15, as we look at Acts 15, we're going to look at literally diving in at the very back end of this chapter. We're going to stop this series Acts 15, the end of it, and we've got the final few, few verses. It's, we've got verses 36 to 41, and that's all we've got this morning. But, and, it, and in it is actually a very difficult piece of scripture. I don't mind difficult, because I think we need to look at the difficult, because if we don't call a spade a spade and look at the difficult, we never learn from really what the Bible's trying to show us. So Acts 15, this first point is a movement, it's personal, but movement reveals Weakness. Movement reveals weakness. Um, exposed weakness needs attention. Movement reveals weakness. Where we are on a journey right now, we are, this church is moving. You don't have to be here for more than a few minutes to know something's, virtually every week something's shifting around or, or just, but movement reveals weakness. And it's weakness in people and in processes. Weakness in people and processes. And it's our response to those things that where the weaknesses come in. And this happened to Paul and Barnabas, this incredible God-called, Holy Spirit-empowered two men, leaders, in the Antioch of Syria are called out and they have the most amazing first mission journey and they're now back in Antioch of Syria. So they've been around basically modern-day Turkey, it was um, Asia Minor at the time. But um, let's read it, verse 36, after some time, and by the way, that some time was roughly three years, it's roughly three years, some of the translations don't make that clear, but scholars believe it's about three years. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. 
Verse 38, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Verse 39, their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Now that doesn't sound like a good thing. It doesn't sound. Indeed, I don't think it is a good thing. I don't think that this disagreement was well handled. I, I, my personal conviction. The, the scholars, the commentators on this text don't really give strong opinions about this. So you don't get in-depth analysis of it. But I'd like to just stick ourselves in the mind of both these men right now. Has anybody ever had a disagreement with somebody else in this room? Just, just, just three of us. Um, has, has anybody married in this room? And have you ever had a disagreement? <laughs> uh, let me tell you, as we were in the worship, in that moment of godliness led by Adam this morning, I was imagining the time my wife threw a cup at me. <laughs> it's true. And she'll be in the next service. And um, I think the wallpaper still has a mark on it where the cup broke and indented itself in the wall. Uh, actually, it might be in the previous house. We've gone on a long journey since then. But it's because people are different, aren't they? That's, that's what it is. And if you've never had a disagreement, <laughs> something ain't right. Because disagreements happen for all sorts of reasons. They're not always bad, actually. Disagreements aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's just the conduct. <laughs> My wife's... Anyway, <laughs> it's the conduct. It's how we handle what we do. I reckon I've provoked her so badly, actually. I reckon, do you reckon that might be the case? Yeah, you know, really, I'm not the sort of person, I don't provoke anybody. My staff can tell you that. Isn't that right? <laughs> so, <laughs> we just have a life of bliss, having coffee and thinking of Jesus. That's all we do. <laughs> no, no, it's far from that. We confront stuff all the time. <laughs> We confront it. But you know what? We're growing through that confrontation. But we do it in a godly way. We call a spade a spade. If something's not right, we try and choose our moment. We'll either, if it's in team, we'll do it in team. If it's private, then we'll do it privately. But we never allow things to go un, not confronted. Let me tell you that. Um, now, you've got to be careful because you don't want life to be just one whole series of confrontations. You've got to enjoy life a bit, so there's got to be a bit of slack in there. But... Um, movement reveals weaknesses. It reveals those weaknesses. And Paul and Barnabas had this bust up. In fact, um, it says, verse 38, Paul, so, they disagreed so strongly, it's, or he strongly disagreed, because, because John Mark had deserted them. Now, let's think about why would a young, younger man desert two leaders when he was totally committed to them? Why would he desert them? They'd gone to Cyprus, they'd gone from Antioch, Syria to Cyprus, and they'd gone across Cyprus, and then they'd gone by, by boat over to the mainland of what is now Turkey. And it's the point they landed in, in modern-day Turkey that John Mark disappeared. Now, he didn't just vanish. It wasn't some spiritual moment. He hot-footed it out of there, and we don't know if it was with their permission or without. But something happened. Whether he got nervous, whether he got frightened, whether he felt homesick, whether he felt like they weren't listening to him. Whatever it might have been, there was a reason. And have you ever been in a situation where you feel that like, I've got to get out of here, I just can't cope with this, this is, I'm in the wrong place? Well, that's what happened to John Mark, for whatever reason. Maybe there was an argument. Maybe there was a total fundamental disagreement about something. But he left, he left, he just shot, he, he went, he went. And because he went, uh, and we understand, you know, those who looked into this further, suggest that he's pro he probably went to Jerusalem, where his mother had a house. 
Big house. You might remember when Peter came out of prison. Do you remember when Peter came out of prison? You know where they were all praying for him? That was John Mark's house, his mum's house. So that's, he's got a connection right to the beginning days of Christianity in Jerusalem with those early believers. So he was not a shallow guy. In fact, he was there as their assistant. So there must have been something went wrong, but we don't know what that something is. The real issue is how Barnabas and Paul handled the situation. That's where the real tension is. And, uh, you know, Paul is saying to Barnabas, I think we should go back. Remember in Acts 13, it was the Holy Spirit that said set apart. Well, now it's Paul saying, let's go. And Barnabas agrees. You notice the scriptures there says, uh, Paul proposes it, but, um, but Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. I can't see in myself why taking John Mark would have been a problem because he wasn't going to do any damage to the trip because he hadn't done any damage to the previous one. All he would have done was grow. And I think we've got two personalities coming out in, in relationship and in leadership. And that's what we'll look at in just a moment. But you've, we've got this tension and this separation. Now, I want to talk about um, solving disagreements just for a moment. Because as we go forward, this church is going to multiply. It is multiplying. It is multiplying right now. It is changing right now. This season, this new series that starts next week is not stopping on New Year's Day. That's going right through January, the first time we've ever run a series from December, the beginning of December, all the way. Why? Because there's great expectations about what God's going to do, not only for the festive season, but for this church and our community going forward. There are huge expectations. God is putting a great sense of expectation in us. So if we are seeing change and movement and it's deeply personal, there will be tensions. And what we've got to do is look at those tensions and be smart about handling tension. And as a church, you love each other. I know you do, until something changes. <laughs> it's not that you don't love each other anymore. It's suddenly you see something that didn't appear obvious to you before. So just a practical note here. Solving disagreements has to start with listening and understanding. Maybe husbands and wives... You don't need to go on the marriage course now. You can hear it here. <laughs> Listening and understanding. There are two very different things there. In fact, we could have spent the, I thought I could have just used this one slide and spent the whole service bringing scriptures out about this one slide. But solving disagreements starts with listening and understanding. And uh, who saw The Apprentice this week, the tall guy who um, got fired? He wouldn't listen. I don't really watch The Apprentice very much, but I did this week. And, and the tall guy was just adamant that, Lord Sugar was wrong. <laughs> and he told him. <laughs> he was telling Lord Sugar. I'm thinking, mate, you've got crosshairs on your forehead. You are going. There's no way. The other girls are crying. In the. I've not seen that before, and I'm not promoting the series. But it's interesting. Listening and understanding are vital. No matter how good you think you are, if you don't listen and you don't understand, you're, you're starting off on the wrong foot. So in any relationship, in our teaming as groups, listening and understanding is important. The next point is examining and, and looking at the differences. What, why is there a difference of opinion? Why, is, why does that difference exist? Try and work through why there's a difference. If we don't listen and try to understand, then to examine... Now, we don't want to make a mountain out of every small difference. But when a difference has got big implications to it, then we need to take the time and the trouble to look and see what's going on. Listen, understand, examine the differences and then agree what your actions are going to be. Because there's got, if you're going to work together, there has to be some form of agreement. There's got to be 
are, are coming together. There's got to be some sort of compromise that works. But if you've ever been in business, I was in business, you know that, for years, years ago. If you're ever negotiating contracts, you have to, there's no, every contract is negotiated. You know, if it's not a negotiated contract, probably the contract isn't, isn't that big a value. It's probably not really that big a deal. But if it's a really meaty contract, there is negotiation. And why is there negotiation in that contract? Because people disagree. They, they have different purposes. Now, that's not wrong. Neil's a lawyer. He would know all about, about the way contracts are drawn up. And, and, uh, you know, and, 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 and it can take months and months to negotiate. Now, I'm not suggesting every, every time we want to move forward in the church, we've got to sit down and get the contracts out. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there are actions to be agreed between people if there's a difference that's becoming a big tension. And you have to take some time to look at it. And then there's a next step, which I think is resolving that, that disagreement. You have to resolve it. You've got to find a resolution. You've got to find something. And not every resolution is the same. At, at its extremes, you'll solve it. And you'll solve it so that both people or both elements get a success out of it. If you can't, then you have to agree to separate. Now, that goes on all too quickly in our society, that people agree to separate. It happens in marriages. But separation is too quickly the answer because, you know, people can't be... I don't want to be too flippant about it, but people sometimes just can't be bothered to work at solving the problem. If you take the time to solve it, you don't need to separate. And often... Uh, and marriage is under massive pressure because there are so many voices in those settings and so many pressure points... This isn't about marriage this morning. But in a way, Jesus Christ, the scriptures tell us that the church is his bride. So in a way, there is a marriage conversation going on. And between the, he trusts us as a church enough to give his life for us. But each one of us will run into moments of tension with somebody else. And now this church is really healthy. I'm not speaking as someone who's got inside knowledge and all sorts of pain and agony that's going on. There will always be some t tensions around. But I know this church is really healthy. You guys have got... The teams have got great relationships. Sometimes there's frustrations about little things like punctuality, being on time, doing what you say you're going to do, all those kind of things. But it's amazing how stuff can blow out of all proportion. So solve, or regrettably, you're fired. No, regrettably, separate. Um, so resolving is important. And then after that, I think there's a next step, and that's navigating the next step with care. There's navigation. It's not just, we've come to an agreement, you said you'd do that, I said I'd do this, end of story. It's not. There's a relationship that still continues and there's a navigation with care afterwards. So those of you who are closely involved, i.e. you're married or you want to be married, you've got to navigate with care because you don't want to have an, your next disagreement go straight back to the place of resolution and actually you're arguing the point all over again. That is not good news. You've got to deal with stuff and move forward and navigate with care. I, this is my creation, by the way. I didn't get this out of the internet or a website. But I, I call that learning. <coughs> Listen and understand. Examine differences. Agree actions. Resolve. Navigate with care. Always learning from challenging situations. If we are learners, then this church will be the strongest, healthiest, most united environment where God can just pour out his spirit. I'm telling you. And I'm putting this forward this morning simply so that we consider this as we go through a time of what will, is going to be substantial change in BCC going, great expectations, but quite a lot of change is going to happen. You, you know what's happening on the horizon. We're talking about a third service. And that th third service, just by tweaking a few minutes in our day, is affecting every team in the church. It's affecting every 
uh, relationship in the church. It's putting more pressure, but it's also got a reason behind it. It's not just to do another service. Um, so learning now is important, or just reminding ourselves. So when you get to a point of tension, leaders, team members, husbands, wives, when there's a dispute, remember this, learning is an important thing. So it reveals weaknesses. Um, movement reveals weaknesses. I've got a great verse here, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. Paul said this, so encourage, this is interesting, later on, Paul says this, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Encourage each other and build each other up. These are very, very important words. Encourage each other. So Paul, the one who wasn't very patient with John Mark, has had to figure out that encouragement is, a, is an important part of what... Well, wasn't Barnabas the son of encouragement? Wasn't that what his nickname meant? So Barnabas saw things that Paul didn't see, and Paul saw things that Barnabas didn't see, which is where the dispute happened. But he later wrote to the Thessalonians, encourage each other and build each other up. I was thinking to myself, we should take action lists and think, how can I build somebody up? How can I build someone up in my home? How can I build someone up in my team? How can I build someone up who I've just got to know? How can I actively choose to build someone up? There's a lot of people out there pulling people down. Why shouldn't we as a church be a church that's known for building people up? We build people up. We don't give them false statements. We don't lie to make them feel good, but we build them up and we see where their strengths are and we encourage those strengths. We encourage each other and we build each other up. That's what Paul learned after the fact. You know, even in BCC right now, um, there is, we are realising the need for skilling up. The evangelism course is just an example. As we are growing and we are seeing opportunities, we realise we've got to develop skills. You know, this morning, there's a whole bunch of young youth leaders not in our church. Our youth lead, I think it's about 12, is that right? 12 or so? Maybe 14? They're all a Young Lions weekend being trained. Some of your children are at that, are at that training weekend this weekend. Um, it was quite funny. I was with Grayson on Friday evening, and he was doing the first talk at the Young Lions. I thought of priming him with the names of all our kids, uh, young people. And uh, Anyway, I didn't go there. But it, was, it could have been quite fun. He could have... Uh, done something interesting there. But it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Those youngsters who are teenagers, older teens now, they've got a whole life in front of them. And there's a generation coming through. We've got to skill those, those guys up, guys and girls. Some will go to university this year. Some won't. They'll stay locally. But they'll all be coming back and they're still connected with our lives. So we've got to build them up. And it's good that that's happening. It's movement is personal and it reveals weaknesses. We've just launched a new thing and it's called Next Steps. Next Steps, you'll have, see these cards in the lobby. We're going to be promoting this a lot. Next Steps gives you the option of just looking at where you are in the journey of BCC. And if you flip up to the back of this thing, you can just tick elements of areas that you're interested in. Why? Because we know that we're weak in some of these areas. We as a church are. Me, as, me myself as a leader, our, our leaders in this church, there's stuff we've got to strengthen. Because as we move and as we see that multiplication happen, the personal side of this is that there is weakness in parts of what we do and we've got to strengthen ourselves. So that's a key thing. Movement reveals weakness. The second point, movement needs stronger relationships. We have to be strong. We have to be strong. We, it's, not, it's, not, um, it's not really an option. If we are called and we represent Jesus Christ and we are his body, then we need to be in a strong relationship. Unity and strong relationships must be created. What happened as a result of 
the Paul and Barnabas situation. It says in Acts 15, 39, Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious work. It's very interesting. Sometimes, I've been saying to the staff recently, that what we say says something, what we don't say also says something. And as we go forward, we will make mistakes in communication. We have been, in the last two weeks, been making mistakes in communication. Now together, hopefully you guys won't notice it too much, but we want to build each other up. So we're picking up and trying to improve. But for strong relationships to happen, what we do do and what we don't do both speak volumes. Now in this case, Luke doesn't say anything negative about Paul or Barnabas. Have you noticed that? There's no comment at all. Dr. Luke makes no comment. He just says Barnabas took John Mark with him and, and Paul chose Silas. Interesting that. Interesting. Have you noticed the way he describes what happened? He just describes what happened to these people. He says that Barnabas took John Mark. Have you noticed it's a different expression? He said Paul chose Silas. Have you ever thought about why that's different? Because Barnabas took John Mark. John Mark needed to be built up. John Mark was at a place where he needed encouragement. He needed development. He needed strengthening, and, and uh, Barnabas knew that. He knew him well. Barnabas, uh, John Mark was clearly back in Antioch of Syria at this point. So he'd come back from Jerusalem, wherever he'd been. He was clearly there, and Barnabas took John Mark. In other words, he led him. When you take someone, what do you do? You don't offer, you don't suggest, you, you literally take. So he took John Mark on a journey to Cyprus. Now it's interesting, why did he go to Cyprus? Well, Barnabas came from Cyprus. That was where Barnabas, his family roots were, from Cyprus. And he took him there. And John Mark was his cousin, and we know that. So there was a reason he took him to Cyprus. He took him, maybe he took him back. I don't know, I'm just speculating. Maybe he took him back to a place where a bust-up happened. Who knows? Maybe Paul and Barnabas, with John Mark, when they went to Cyprus, a big problem happened that we don't record in Scripture. And maybe he took him back. Maybe he wanted to take him back and sort that out. I don't know. We don't know. But I know this, though, that God does sometimes take us back to issues. He will sometimes... You know, some people move from place to place and they change jobs and, and they change churches. And sometimes it's just for positive reasons. But there are times when people are running away from stuff. There are times when people don't want to face who they really are. They've run into a disagreement. They've run into a conflict. And there'll be times when God will take you back to the point deliberately for your own good. Now, I don't know, but it's a high possibility that Barnabas took him to Cyprus to deal with something that happened previously. I don't know, but it could just be the case that that's what God did. He took him there. And whatever he did, all I know is that Barnabas did a great job because historians and writers tell us that that John Mark was the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Now, we don't have any solid evidence of that, but it seems to indicate that John Mark did write the Gospel of Mark. So whatever Barnabas did, whether he took him back to a place of pain or took him back and out of the... the maybe just took him out of the hustle and bustle of central church life in Antioch. It was a major apostolic church centre. And maybe you just need to get him out and spend time with him. And maybe that's where you are. Maybe you just need to be out of heavy responsibility and have some time with God and with someone... And maybe, you know, here's my challenge. Are there any Barnabases in BCC? Are there any people who are encouragers who just need to draw alongside? I think there are. 
I think we've got Barnabas sorts in this church who need to draw alongside people who become discouraged. Maybe John Mark was really discouraged. Maybe he was so frustrated that maybe he felt totally inadequate for what he thought God was calling him to, which is why he did a runner when they landed in Turkey. Maybe that's why. Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you feel totally inadequate. Maybe you feel like you're, you've messed up, you've sinned, you've failed. Maybe you, that's you. You just need to be alongside somebody who can really encourage you and take some time out with you. The key thing is not to ignore where you are. Now, we don't want to dwell in a, a place of negativity, but we want to get things fixed. We want to get things sorted. So as a church, if you're a Barnabas or you're a John Mark, maybe, you're a, maybe you've got a gospel of Mark in you. Maybe you've got that. Maybe you've got a whole story yet to be written. Maybe you've got it in you. Maybe you don't know how to get it out. Maybe you need to find someone. Maybe you should ask God, help me to find a Barnabas in this church who can help me to get my story out, to get the story. And we know the Gospel of Mark was written to the Romans. You know that. It was written for the Roman Gentiles. And it was written in such a way that it brings the action and activity of Jesus Christ. There's a huge focus on Christ and the active, it's the most active gospel. And it suggests that John Mark um, was a guy who looked at those things. Does your gift need development? Does you, have you come from somewhere else over the years and just felt like you've had a dis, disconnect? You had a, a clash? There's been a problem. Maybe problems in other contexts have just messed up your journey and you just need to work it through. This church has got to be a place. It's not just Sunday services, not just programs, not just a bit of training, but it's got authentic authentic pastoral care and discipleship it has to happen within the body it's got to happen within us it's got to so you guys and women ladies who have got a strong encouraging ministry there are people in and around the life of this church that need you to be connected to them they need you to they need you to to make yourselves known within your small groups within your volunteer groups you need to be able to step out of what you do at times and, and draw alongside those people. And maybe you're someone who really needs that kind of one-on-one walk right now. And, and, and men, you know, most men are isolated. Most men are. Many, many men are isolated in their box of work and their own thinking. And uh, one of the staff asked me this week whether I have a mentor that I go to for myself to actually talk about who I am. And it was a great conversation. But I know that many pastors don't and many men don't. You just have chums. You have people you might go for a curry with or you know, have a beer with or you know, have a coffee with or whatever. But you don't open up who you really are. But you might be carrying all sorts of pain in your life. And, and actually, God's got a whole story to write about that for the future that's going to help a lot of other people. So you need to make... Somehow, we've got, we've got to be a living, real reflection of Jesus Christ and his body so that these things can come out. You know, we've got this um, volunteer lunch on the 11th. I'm so excited about that. It's specifically aimed at all volunteers in our church, no matter how old, that are part of a listed team within the church. Why have we done it that way? Because lots of you volunteer outside of teams. Well, it's not to put you off volunteering outside of teams, but we want to show the importance of consistent caring of responsibility because there are times when you we can dip in and dip out but actually if we're going to grow if we're going to move and we're going to multiply we have to have consistent growth in what we do which means who you are and what you do is the journey we've been on this year we're going to talk about that on the 11th what have we seen this year has changed 
And when you look back at the change this year, it is actually extraordinary what's been achieved. And it's not been achieved by me. It's not been achieved because the board or the elders have sat down and said, that's going to happen. It's, it's achieved because God has breathed into what we're doing. But the volunteer teams in this church have done an amazing job of carrying consistent, regular, reliable responsibility. And that has to grow. It has to grow. Why? Because... It's, it's critical to the church, but it's also critical for us as individuals. It's a key part of it. Bill Heibel says, sorry, Henry Ford says, uh, co- coming together is the beginning, staying together is progress, and working together is success. Right, that's one example. That's a, that's, a, that's a secular view. Ephesians 4, 2 to 3 says, always be humble and gentle, patient, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. It doesn't say, and this is where I'll put the responsibility on every one of us. It, this isn't a statement to the overseers. This is always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Because you will have faults. I know some of you think you're faultless. <laughs> but you have got faults. And they will come out. And as we move the church forward, as things, as we take on God's guidance and responsibility. Things will become exposed. Make every effort to keep yourselves united, not just in conversation, it says in the spirit. There's a spiritual dynamic to being united, and that is a spiritual response to being united, which means we pray about things, we pray together. We are united because, now we, you guys and all of us, we're committed under the same values. And this church is really healthy. This, this could be a preach or a message in a church where there's loads of problems. This church has not got loads of problems. This church is full of healthy, exciting, vibrant, spirit-filled, kingdom-led uh, um, people. It's full of it. And, but I want to protect that. That's what I want to do. I want to protect that and make sure that as we go through this, this adjustment going forward, that we understand each other, that we trust each other, and that we value one another. It's easy to devalue one another by mistake. It's easy to. It's, husbands and wives, you know you are the experts at devaluing your partner by mistake. You don't do it deliberately. You don't want to hurt someone, but it just happens from time to time. And it's very important we don't do that. And in church life, as we grow, we've got to be gracious and give that space. Bill Heibel says, and this was the, the quote, the church is the hope of the world. He's, he's renowned for saying that. But the hope rests on the willingness of volunteers from all walks of life. Now, he talks about leaders as well. But volunteers, the, the importance of who we are as we work together. I volunteer as well as being on staff. I'm a volunteer in this church. I put a lot of extra hours in. And, um, and I, in fact, I volunteer even, even in the role with AOG. I've got permission from within our church to volunteer in that capacity. I don't get paid by AOG to dream up things, to use their time up and take people to places and inspire pastors. All of that happens as a voluntary offering from, you know, the extra time that I've got loads of. <laughs> anyway, so third point, we talked about movement revealing weakness. We've talked about movement needs strong relationships, but also movement sees a need. Movement sees a need. So Paul and... Uh, and Silas, they went on. Paul and Silas. Now, I didn't tell you much about Silas, but Paul and Silas, um, interesting characters. They were both Roman citizens. God effectively created two teams out of one team. And so sometimes when there's separation, God's, God's def- overwhelming capacity is to restore people and to enable things to happen. And in this case, Paul and, um, Paul and Silas, 
Um, both Roman citizens, we know that from Acts 16. Both of them were leaders. One was a leader in the Jerusalem church, one was a leader in the Antioch church. Both capable. Silas was fluent in Greek. He was a writer. He wrote down quite a lot of what Paul communicated in later letters. So these guys are leaders. God's all of a sudden got two high-capacity guys now forming a team because Paul chose Silas. He did it because he knew that there was going to be another journey. And this was the beginning of another mission journey, and we're not going to pursue that journey. But there's a beginning happening here. It says in verse 41, it's the last verse in this chapter 15, it says, Then he travelled throughout Syria, um, Cilicia, and they strengthened the churches there. Strengthening is a key part of movement and multiplication, strengthening. And right now, that's what we've got to do as a church. We've got to strengthen each other. We've got to strengthen our cooperation, our working together. We've got to strengthen each other. Now, we're in a great place because I think we're already strong. Um, Andy Stanley says, vision is a mental picture of a preferred future. Well, we have a mental picture of a preferred future in this church. There is something driving us forward. It's not just our relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is clearly saying to us that he wants to fuel multiplication through our lives. There's no question about it. The number of responses to the Gospels, the fact that we've seen baptisms every single month this year. My big question, are we going to see a baptism in December? Well, we have people to be baptised. We've just got to figure that one out. But we, we have. If it's not December, it's going to be January. But we'd love to see baptisms every month this year. You know, other churches, as I chat to them and challenge leaders, they are asking what is happening in BCC. And I just tell them bits and pieces. And I've, I had someone say to me recently, we really need to be doing that as well. I love the fact that other church leaders are, are seeing that what we're doing is a good thing. And they want to put us in their churches some of what we do, just as we would learn from them. So it's no arrogance or anything. It's just, just fact. Vision is a mental picture of a preferred future. It makes the impossible possible. But we need to encourage ourselves to follow through on the vision we carry. The following through is absolutely critical. And as we move forward, and today I want to just reiterate where we're at, BCC needs to change. Now, we're pretty much sort of 75% full this morning, maybe 80% full. We've got overflow capacity. But our second service recently has been absolutely overflowing. On the last baptism, it was right to the back of that, the cafe space there. And people were standing on one side. Now, there were reasons for that because it was baptism, but also there was a dedication. But that's going to happen more and more. Do you see that? We're going to have these situations occur more and more. So that service had no capacity in it. There was no more. And once you hit 80%, you can't grow any further. Not typically. That's what all the patterns tell us. So we, are, we have got a dilemma. We have to have space to grow. We're looking at options in our community. We're looking at a new, two new building projects that are in, in and around the immediate area. And there is delay in both of them. So we have got to do something now. We can't wait a year. We cannot wait till next December to figure out what we do. We've got to solve the problem right now. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's why we've agreed together, the partners, the leadership, we are wholeheartedly um, going for a second service on January the 29th. Now, you know that. And I, I, what did I say? First, second. I keep, I've been saying this all the way through. I keep going to, because I feel like the two are one. I guess that's what it is. But no, you're right. We're going to a third service on January the 29th. How's that going to happen? You're probably thinking, how on earth is that going to happen? It's going to happen. We've got to solve it because God's given us minds. He's given us intelligence. He's given us the ability to collaborate. Right now, this is, uh, let me give you a 
feel of what that could be. We're looking at um, shortening the length of the services, the two morning services, a little bit, just a little bit, shortening them, uh, reducing them by a little bit. We already know that when we do baptisms, we're already, we're already running the church, the services actually a lot shorter. You may not even realise that, but we are. So we, could, we already know we can tighten up on the way our time works in the service. That's why, um, for those of you who know, getting here on time is really important to us right now. Working on punctuality is extremely important because it will cause difficulty for us if, if people are arriving late after the meetings have started because you'll be overflowing. You'll be staying for one and hanging on for the next one, you know, enjoying the message in one and the worship in another. We, we want to try and not have that happen. So there's a few things we can do. We can tighten up our punctuality. We can make sure we get here in good time. Um, remember what we said earlier on in the series we bring the presence of God. We create a space for God to communicate to us. And we talked about taking that from a personal level to a community level. And now we've birthed an evangelism course. And there are people with great testimonies of personal evangelism in the life of the church. And we're going to bring those out. We've got to increase the number of our small groups. And Adam's doing a fantastic job of driving. In fact, we've got a meeting this evening with small group leaders who are aspiring to take on the responsibility of handling small groups. And how many have we got, potentially, Adam? 20 small groups. Can you see what God's doing? We are creating capacity in, in our ministry life of the church. So even though we might slightly shorten the service, we've got the ability to increase the depth and breadth of what we are as a church. There are brand new opportunities coming to us that some I should probably not talk about too much because... The, because they're coming to us shortly. But there's some exciting things with the local police, with um, community groups, the local council need information from us on things, and we are already doing a lot of good stuff. So we need, we need to um, see that expansion space become real for us. Now, it does also mean, if we've got these two, three services, that we're going to have to be slightly tighter in terms of transition between services. Now, we know we can do it, because actually... The transition times sometimes in our current service pattern um, are slightly tighter. So we already know we can do that. We'll probably end up having baptisms in our third service, so it takes the pressure off the second service. We're looking at additional car parking space, uh, and we're working on that at the moment. But here's another thing. We're also looking to physically change this building. Now, a team is going to be coming together very shortly. We've been having conversations, but we are looking to enable space to be created for transition. Now, that won't be ready by the end of January, but it's something we are absolutely working on. We're not going to reduce, reduce just for numbers. We are going to create new space, and we have got ideas already, and there's the development of a working team to look at the structure of this building so that we can transition over the next year or so and create more usable space. I'm really excited by it, actually. It's really exciting. And if you're interested, if, you're, if you've got a passion for building projects and you've got a particular competency around project or skills, either financial, then that team is doing some work right now. We have an architect in our church who's part of that team. It'll be represented by a board director here in BCC and also uh, one or two others who've got this passion and competence at dealing with projects like that so that we can make progress with it. It's really, really exciting. Um, our goal, though, is to strengthen and release ministry in this church. It's to impact community. And I believe, you know, we're going to do the giveaway offering in a moment for, um, well, we'll talk about it in just a moment. But other churches are asking us to take a lead in a number of things. Now, 
to do this, we have to kind of change what we do and step up in all sorts of different areas. And uh, do I sense some support in, in this this morning? Do I sense your heart that you want to be part of something that's moving, that's multiplying, that's seeing growth, seeing a change in people? If you do, say amen with me. Amen. That is really good. So what we're going to do is we're going to get the worship team up here now. We're going to have a song and then we're going to do the giveaway offering. Um, I just want to pop up a verse. We talked about movement being personal. It reveals weaknesses. It needs strong relationships. It sees need. And as uh, the guys start to play behind me, I, let me just bring this verse to you. Philippians 2.13 For God is working in you. He is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. This is I, I would encourage you to take this verse and write it down in your journal talk about it for God is working in you working means he's doing a change right and that's not to a new believer that's to every believer God is working in you giving you the desire and the power so you will be given a desire by God for an air of responsibility things that you can be engaged with involved with but he will also give you the power to do it it's important he'll give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him things are changing already on this site you've noticed the ramps have gone (laughs) the trailer's gone we're creating space out there things are already happening and we are working towards that January 29th date of three services all we need to do is to be flexible enough to change shape but determined enough to increase our strength if we can be flexible and determined I'm telling you as a group of people you are highly capable we have got all the resource we need. We've got the drive, the fire, the passion, the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got His anointing. I think this is very, very, very doable. So why don't we stand now and we're just going to worship for a moment and thank God for trusting us with His plans. Amen.